Guys, welcome to episode 7 of the Amazing Minds podcast with yourself, Bilal Jogi. Today I've got a special guest with me all the way from the States. Um, I have Susie on the line with me. Susie, are you there? Uh, fabulous how are you i'm doing good how are you i'm fine thank you thank you finally managed to connect with them with the use of technology after a few little (laughs) hiccups but um could you could you just tell the listeners where you are at the moment and what part of the world you're in yeah so i'm in um arkansas i'm in hot springs arkansas in the middle of the u.s and for those who don't know, Al Capone used to pretty much run our town. So it's kind of a, a hidden gem in the middle of Arkansas. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So, um, Susie, obviously I've got you on to this show and we and you connected on Facebook regarding mental health and um, the rise in mental health. And we had a brief discussion. So could you could you tell us a bit about your what you do regarding mental health and a bit about your background, please? Sure. So um, I started officially doing this kind of work probably about seven years ago. And and my title currently is violence prevention specialist. Um, So I I prevent all the violence. Um, It's going really well. (laughs) Um, I actually am a specialist in suicide prevention. So I've been practicing in the field of suicide prevention for um, around seven years, professionally speaking. But my first introduction into the realm of suicide was I was actually 10 and I lost my dad to suicide. So long story, um, he was in the military. He was a first sergeant in the old guard, which is the ceremonial unit escort to the president. And a lot of things began happening. And so he began to retire from the military. And during that time, my stepmother filed for a divorce and a few weeks or so go by. And I remember him coming to me and telling me that we would move and things would be different. And I told him that she had been physically abusing me the entire time they had been together. So a few days later, he ended up, he, he found her because they had been separated and he took her life and then his own. And I just remember being very confused, first of all, because of the situation, because of the adults who were around me and what they weren't telling me and not really understanding. And so as I got older, I I have a very curious nature and sometimes it gets me in trouble, but um, I wanted to understand. I wanted to understand what happened to him, what he went through, why he did what he did. And I really wanted to understand why everyone else acted the way that they did regarding suicide and mental health. And so I I learned quite a bit. I learned a lot about um, what stigma really is. I I think we use that word a lot, but I I don't know that we really understand the history behind it or the nature of what it it is and how it has essentially been um, a part of our society for a long time. And it was was used as a, a punishment, a form of punishment for those people who struggled with mental health issues and struggled with suicide. Of course, you know, a long time ago, we didn't understand physical makeups and um, biological makeups and things like that when it comes to the brain. And we still don't know a lot. So as far as my work goes, I kind of do a lot of everything. Um, I'm not a therapist and I'm not a counselor, so I don't do long-term care or any of, of that. 
I do um, often find myself in situations where I am speaking to people who are currently in the middle of a suicide crisis. And, and my role in that is simply to try and deescalate a situation, talk them down, um, and then get them to the right person, get them to the right help. I it's not my favorite thing to do. It's it's a really hard thing to do, and it is also very draining emotionally. It's it's um it's something that you don't just um, leave at the door, so to say. So I try not to promote that too much. That that is something I will do because I want to help, but at the same time, it's it's not my primary focus. So what I really um, do is a, a lot of I speak. And I do um, training events and education because I feel like we still need to understand this issue more. And that means educating the general public, educating everyone on what mental health is, what suicide prevention is, talking about these subjects, but doing so in a way that is both safe um, and promoting the right kind of content, but also getting people bought into this information. I don't know how many times I hear people say, like, I just you know, I have to do suicide prevention, but I don't want to. I mean, nobody wants to talk about this. And that's part of the problem. We, we are so uncomfortable with it. So how do we start addressing it? Um, and then outside of that, I do like really tedious things, uh, systems level work. We work with different populations and different organizations, and we try to develop more comprehensive policies and protocols um, for dealing with people with mental health or dealing with people who have thoughts of suicide. Um, not just those things, but also, you know, general areas. Um, I touch on uh, different social issues such as bullying, cyberbullying, um, sexual assault, domestic violence, a lot of that. And we, we just want to incorporate healthier practices because we all have to deal with people. And if they're healthier, then it's good for everyone, right? Um, yeah. So that's kind of, that's a really summed up version. I could go on all day and just bore you so much. No, 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 no. It's great. I, I, you know, firstly, I've got a lot of respect for people like you who have lost somebody to suicide and then they are now helping others because losing somebody to suicide can mentally be very, um, you know, it's something that will never leave you. But to turn exactly. that into a positive and help others is absolutely, I take my hat off to you. Um, mm -hmm. I was with somebody yesterday, I won't mention any names, um, but he lost his father to suicide and now mm -hmm. he's helping people as well. And one of the things he said to me was, is, is, is you don't know how to deal with it. And my own experience not, not that i've ever felt suicidal is 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 we don't address the issue regarding mental health but mental health gets broken down into smaller subjects further than you've got anxiety right. you've got depression you've got um suicide even anxiety will get broken down further you've got pure ocd you've got pure row you've got panic attacks so the people that are trying to educate people to the masses about these are, are people who have probably, how I'm seeing it, are people that are seeing it as a pop culture thing now, mental health and jumping on the bandwagon a bit and trying to give advice and trying to help people. But people who have actually gone through it, people like yourself who have lost somebody closer are more better advising people. And and which kind of really brings me on to my next question is, and, and in this whole conversation, I'm not really going to go over things that people already know and i really want to go into stuff what could help people one thing i want to know is and ask every guest of mine is why do you think suicide is on the increase 
or are we just more aware of it because there's more digital media and, tra- and traditional media is growing as well? Are we just more aware of it or is it on the increase? And if it is on the increase, why is it on the increase? So this is a really complicated question. And essentially anything I get asked, I can never give just a simple answer to. So there, I think there's a lot of reasons. Suicide has always been a huge problem throughout history. Um, I actually tell people I have the world's largest um, library on the topic of suicide. And they're like, why would you do that? But I feel like I need to know what I'm talking about. Mm. There's actually a book called The History of Suicide. So um, back in um, Great Britain, a long time ago, um, they actually realized that people, a lot of people were dying by suicide. And so they created a way to catalog that. And you may have heard of it. It's called obituaries. Okay. No, I've not come across that. Okay. Well, so in the United States, whenever someone dies, they will put that information in the newspaper. And so in the newspaper, it's printed and it'll say their manner of death. And and now over here, it's, it's evolved and it is in such a way that you, it's a remembrance for that person. But the original obituaries was actually tracking suicide deaths. And it was very graphic and very detailed information as to the experiences and the things that these people were going through. Anything that was known, they would put that in the newspaper. So we know for a fact that this was a big problem. And we do have some data, some numbers on how many people were dying by suicide. However, it wasn't something that we were really tracking, right? So, um, and then if you look into today's time, we have over here in the United States, things like the Centers for Disease Control. So they are tracking and we have a tracking system in a majority of our states called the National Violent Death Reporting System. So any type of violent death, including suicide, is cataloged and then it's looked at as far as what are the influences? What are the things that are contributing to this so that we can figure out what the problem is? Like what, what are those things that we can address and then try and offer solutions? So I do believe that part of it is a data collection piece. I think that we just didn't really have accurate numbers before. And, and so we've always known it's been a problem, but we didn't know to the extent extent. But I also think that it is going up. Um, I know just within the past few years, we have seen drastic increases. So if you look at the youth population, and they've been tracking these numbers over the past 10 years, youth in the United States um, have been dying by suicide 70% more over the past 10 years. It's steadily increased. If you're looking at African-American youth, it's actually gone up 77% in that population. And Every year, every year, we've increased by at least 1,000 more deaths. I think the last number that I looked at was over 40,000, 47,000 people in the United States have died by suicide. Um, and I want to say that's 2016 or 2017 numbers. So why is that, you say? I, I think there's a lot of factors, honestly. Um throughout history, so to say, any time there was social unrest, any time there was any kind of political discord, suicide rates always went up. Any time there was any kind of economic distress across the society, suicide rates always went up. So if you look at the Great Depression, for example, that's one time. Anytime there was heavy war periods, um, especially if those members of society who were fighting in war were out of the country, because that adds stress because you don't have those core members who are here contributing to your society, right? So you're, you're talking about a general amount of stress that's building on top of everyone. Um, I don't know of any social stresses in the United States right now. Do you? 
So yeah, um, I think yeah, exactly. Uh, I see it all the time. We see so much political discord, and it's just a disconnect, right? So then, if you pare it down past that societal level, um, you start looking at things like within youth populations, social media, for example. We don't know a lot about the impact of social media. We're still learning a lot because the internet is relatively new in the scope of humanity, right? Um, so we have a lot that we need to understand, but there is a study and it's, it's called psychological dissonance. And essentially it says that when you're behind a screen, you are not in reality, you are in the reality of that screen. And so things on the other end, people on the other end of that reality don't seem the same. They don't come off uh, the same to you. So there's your cyberbullying factor. They may not have bad intent every time that they're cyberbullying because they don't realize there is an actual human being on the other end. And then you come in, you bring in the isolation factor. You know, a lot of um, millennials today are working from home and they're working behind screens and they're not getting out and they're, you know, they're, there's just so many factors. So I think there's a mix of all of those things personally. I think um, you, we could bring in climate, climate change. Um, anytime we have increases in weather and temperature, our bodies do not react well. So a lot of people will say most suicides occur during the holidays when in fact historically speaking it's been March and April of every year and we see another peak in July and a lot of theories um, come back to that biolo biological change and there's such a, an increase in temperature and our brains just don't really like that and so we have these um, suicidal ideations or depressive episodes or you know whatever other type of mental health episodes as our bodies react acclimate to that new temperature. Well, again, climate change is changing. So we're seeing temperatures being shifted around and it's uh, affecting our numbers of, of losses. I, I mean, I, I could go on and on. And on no, 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 no. I, I, I fully agree with some of the points you're saying. Maybe because of um, documentation, this kind of um, information wasn't available as a day job i run a social media agency and i agree with what you're saying regarding the screen element of things people are i think i think um if you look at platforms such as instagram what what's starting to happen is and you people are being more aware of this now is people are starting to um, compare lives to other people's lives and thinking oh why why am i not living a life like that or why do i not have what that is but if you take a step back you don't know what's real and what's not real and and that is um playing a part but yeah millennials have a huge problem with this because again you forget um sitting in front of a screen sitting in front of a screen they're not even speaking to people they just whatsapp conversations across to each other and having a human conversation is very alien to them especially in the uk but i don't want this podcast to be very doom and gloom so I'm going to come to right. a question. No, well, not doom and gloom. I want I want people to get hope from this. That's why right. I've got you on. And that's Thank the key you. for me. And I think every nobody should lose hope. And I'm all about you should never lose hope because you've not seen what's going to happen tomorrow. Nobody has. We can assume the worst, but we don't know what's going to happen. And that is a fact. What I want to know is when people are suicidal, they're very fearful for asking for help. They're very fearful. One of the fears they have is... Am I going to get taken away in a straitjacket? Am I going to get locked up in a room and nobody's ever going to see me again? Your mind runs away with the most wildest thoughts you can think of. What I want to know is, when somebody asks for help, 
when and a professional is helping him from your experience what kind of help is given to him is it more psychological does somebody sit down with him have a conversation regularly what kind of processes are out there or help is out there to help people who are suffering so you you love asking really difficult questions that's what we're about um, <laughs> that's what we are about good, good um i have to say you know is it's different it's different every place and so um so in the states in the states if somebody was right, if feeling slightly suicidal right. and they so, yeah Unfortunately, um, in some of our states still, um, and I don't believe that anyone's actually following through with this. However, some states are still able to criminally prosecute someone when they're having when they have made an attempt. That's where we get the term commit suicide from, because historically speaking, it was a crime. So I don't believe that anyone's doing that. However, we have very antiquated processes for getting people help. So it depends on where you go to get help and who you're speaking with. And I mean professionally. So if you go to law enforcement, they are not equipped to handle someone who is having a mental health crisis. They are not equipped to handle someone who is in the middle of um, just a, dis- a depressed, major depressive episode. Now, if someone's a dan- harm a danger to themselves or a danger to others, they can create a safe environment for that situation and de-escalate a situation, but they are not the long-term care, right? So they have to handle what's immediately in front of them. And that could mean taking that person to the jail. That could mean taking that person to the- And that's in certain states in in, in America. Exactly. Um, And that could mean taking that person to the emergency department. So we have some really good programming for law enforcement. One of those programs is called um, excuse me, crisis intervention team training. And that is to train them on how to better talk to people who are having a mental health uh, episode at that moment and how to connect them to the right types of resources. So, you know, law enforcement is really limited and not, not in their professional, like who they are, their role, but just what their protocols are, what their policies are. And it's because the times that we set these agencies up was so long ago that we didn't look at mental health issues. We didn't look at suicide as a as an, a societal issue. We didn't even think about it. So things were kind of built along the way and we're having to update those things. So our community has put a lot of investment into creating that opportunity, creating that training, and then building bridges between the resources because we we don't believe that people should be arrested. We don't believe they should go to jail when they have mental health conditions. Um, unfortunately, you know, if, if you're speaking with different other professions, it just depends. So one of the great things that's happened recently is we have a, a governing body for all of our healthcare systems, and it's called the Joint Commission. And the Joint Commission essentially sends out um, a Alerts, they send out notifications, they send out mandates. And if they send out a mandate, you have to do what they say, or you can get in really uh, big trouble as a hospital system, right? So one of the things they sent out, I want to say it was late 2017, was a Sentinel event, which is essentially, it's it's kind of letting you know that something's about to change. Uh, they don't just implement change right off the bat, right? They have to kind of give us some time to get our heads around it, to educate us as to why, and then they start slowly implementing changes. One of those changes is the fact that we realize that within 30 days, 90 days, and even a year, a lot of people in the U.S. have gone to different points of access for healthcare, like their primary care physician, so their family doctor. They've gone to their family doctor and they've said things like, I can't get out of bed. 
uh, I don't have any energy. I, I just don't feel good. And the doctor may not realize that they're talking about a mental health condition, right? So that person then goes home and they're struggling with these issues and they've unfortunately died by suicide. We know a large number of people have gone and see, seen some sort of access point within the um, hospital system. So the Sentinel event simply stated that and it stated these are some, some things that we want to see done. We want you, first of all, to ask people, have you recently had thoughts of suicide? Have you recently... Um, struggled with depression or mental health issues, not just when they say those things, every time. Every time someone comes in, they will start being asked those questions by nurses, by doctors, anyone that they see, because we wanna offer help and we're realizing, okay, you know, we have to look at the data, we have to look at those those points of, of weaknesses, and then we have to slowly incorporate ways to address those things because, again, a lot of these organizations and systems were developed so long ago. So I'm very pleased to see that. I'm so excited because I think that it's 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 not going to be well-received by people in the general public, for one, to be honest. They're not going to understand why, but on my end, I do believe that we will prevent a lot of suicides by simply asking them that question. And then on top of that, in the Sentinel um, event, it also gives you some steps. So if that person does present, these are some things that you need to do, um, making sure that they're cared for and then follow-up care. So checking in on them after they've presented, making sure that they were referred to the appropriate resource for them that's found in their community. So I'm really excited about that. And I think that when we are able to normalize these things and make it so that people understand, there are a lot of people that are suffering alone in silence and don't know that they even have a mental health condition. And if we can make it more understood, those people can seek resources and help and they won't be as scared to ask for help. So after everything that I went through um, with my dad and, and really I gave you a very small piece, um, I was 19 and I was really struggling, struggling in my life. I went off to college and I was removed from every connection that I had in my world. I had no friends there that I knew. It was just, it was a very hard time for me. I ended up um, in a mental health facility in front of a psychiatrist who told me that I had major depressive disorder, right? And I was really mad at him for lying to me. <laughs> I said, um, first of all, I've never met you before. You don't know who I am. How can you tell me this? Like, I, I'm, there's nothing wrong with me. I, all of those thoughts, right? And as he started trying to calm me down, first of all, and explain, okay, well, this, this is a symptom. This thing that you've told me is a symptom. And this is a symptom. And these are the things. And I thought, okay, that is kind of what I'm dealing with. But I still didn't like that. I felt like it was a label. I still didn't like being told that. And I really fought it for a very long time. I fought um, letting anyone know, right? Especially like to announce it across the world on a podcast. I fought it because I was so concerned with what other people would think of me. And I realize now looking back, that's what we're all dealing with. We don't want people to see us as being labeled. We don't want people to see us as being broken. I think that we put that 
that connotation on people. And I am a highly productive citizen. <laughs> um, I do a lot of things for my community, for my state, and and not because I I'm doing it for whatever reason. I'm doing it. It helps me. It helps me be better. Um, being active is one of my most important types of self care because if I don't, I will sit at home and I will not get out of bed and <laughs> I will be very depressed. Right? Of course, um, of course. Yeah. And and, and so, that's your kind of way of giving back to the community exactly. as well just to kind of add into that anybody that's listening i don't want anybody to lose kind of hope with that with with, with with the development of the internet there are many ways you can get help now so some people who are maybe suffering from mental health issues or are suffering from a suicidal thoughts and you think oh i might get um you know there's no help out there for me or some people message me from certain countries where there is no infrastructure for this at all so what i always advise people is educate yourself about what you're going through look for the best people on that specific matter if it's suicide if it's anxiety find the psychiatrist online if you can and sometimes some psychiatrists that i know do do consultations via skype as well so even though the traditional support network of like in the uk we've got the health service in the states as well is maybe a bit behind on what we don't know what to do with people and there with the internet is moving with the times and it's moving a lot quicker than traditional so there is a lot of help out there also you can find groups out there who have who are mental health groups on you can download apps like meetup you've got a, a apps in the uk like event bright where you can find communities who are also struggling and they have get togethers where you can go and you can kind of get that peace of mind and that help and that you can have these positive conversations you've also got in the uk we've also got 24 hour suicide prevention helplines who will help you and from my understanding if i am correct you've got a lot of um charities out there in the uk who also help with that so there's a lot of help out there no matter where you are from the uk to the states to saudi arabia to australia to japan doesn't matter where you are the internet is bringing the communities together and there's more help like me and you met we would not have met 10 15 years ago right if right. this would this conversation would not be possible so and one thing i found when i had anxiety was i found reading success stories very beneficial because they were giving me hope that oh one one thing i learned was somebody else is worse off than you to that if somebody's come through this that means you can come through this as well so educate don't don't be too fearful about reading up on suicide but try reading up on stuff which is credible there's a lot of information out there not everything is credible somebody writing an article on dr ax does not mean that's a credible source you know try searching for people who are credible people in their field and learn from that and 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 and, and do not lose hope my next question to you is if somebody is feeling um, let's say got mental health issues or they're kind of feeling let's say i don't know suicidal or something along these lines what can people do to improve themselves you know at home like for example could they get fitter could they improve diet could they improve the people they're hanging out with what would you kind of recommend oh, yeah. down that so i've often been quoted as saying there's nothing new under the sun and and you can quote me on that because i said that originally <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but I actually add the line, there's nothing new under the sun except for medication. Um, even these books that, that are out there, these history of suicide that are documenting things that happened back in the 13 and 1400s and 1500s, it's amazing because they said those things. They said, you know, get outside, um, exercise, eat right. They didn't necessarily understand the health benefits of those things, but they realized very early on that when people did that, it adjusted their moods. So it's so important that we take care of ourselves. And that means many things. And, you know, everyone is unique. So one person's type of care is very different than another person's type of care. And it's important to keep that in mind. Um, Me, for example, um, I have I have to make myself go and do things because if I don't, I won't. Um, And I don't think people realize that. And they see me as being very active, but it's it's important for me, whereas someone else would not want to necessarily be as active as I am. And that's completely fine for them. So one of the main things is sleep care, sleep hygiene. Um, It is actually a causal factor. It is not a correlation. We know for a fact that if your sleep patterns are off, you will have poor mental health, especially the longer that you under enjoy having um, irregular sleep patterns. And that can mean sleeping too much. That can be um, sleeping too little. Um, I actually go back and forth between insomnia and wanting to sleep all the time. So that's fun. Um, But sleep care is number one. If your sleep is off, it is so vital that you try to regulate that. And that is a very good starting point for if you're talking to someone who you're worried about and you're worried about their mental health, just ask how have you been sleeping, right? Such a such an unassuming question. How have you been sleeping? You're not trying to say, like, how's your mental health? Are you okay? Are you depressed? Um, you're simply saying, how have you been sleeping? But I think, you know, especially in our society, we are on our phones late at night. And that screen light is actually very bad for us in order for us to actually go to sleep. Um, and then how many of us are thinking about all the things we have to do the next day or, you know, whatever else. And so it's very important to um, allow our bodies times to transition from periods of activity into the sleep. And then outside of that, you're right, you know, making sure that you eat healthy um, exercises such a huge um, and very vital thing for people who are trying to take care of their mental wellness. So I know a lot of advocates in this realm who have bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, and different types of mental health conditions. And one of their main ways to regulate that is through um, physical activity. So they're, they are they work out religiously because that is what is good for their mental health. Um, and, and relationships, you know, I, I loved what you said. I love the fact that you hit on so many points of resources, you know, where it's not just um, helplines, it's not just this, it's not just that. There's so many different options out there, but resources are so important. And that can be uh, relationships, that can be having someone that you find on the internet by accident or however, um, who you has can, a similar you could, experience. You can meet him on Tinder. <laughs> oh, there's yeah. that. Be very careful with that one, though. <laughs> But hey, you know, I I guarantee you someone out there in the world has met someone on Tinder and they were good for their mental health. Might also have the opposite, but probably someone has had a good experience, right? Of course, Um, of course. So I think it's so important never to take away from resources. We never limit resources. We never say, well, this didn't work for me and it's not going to work for you because 
that's just not true. For every resource you name, someone will have had a good experience and someone will have had a bad experience. But for someone, for that person that had the bad experience, it just wasn't right for them. So let's find the next thing. Let's look for the next option. And and knowing what is good for you is so important. So when looking at your mental health, one of the first things to do is to sit down and think, okay, for me per- personally, I know I can spend this much time watching TV, right? Um, otherwise, I want to do that and just sit in the bed and not get out of bed. So that's not okay for me. It's not okay for me to oversleep either. I, I get into a very unhealthy pattern of thinking. I get into a very unhealthy um, set of just having no energy and not wanting get, to get out of bed. So I know if my sleep is off, um, it takes me a few days, about three or four days, depending on how long my sleep has been off, to re-regulate that sleep pattern. Um, I have had to learn those things though. And I've had to learn the very hard way because I wasn't paying attention while they were happening in the beginning. And had I been paying attention, it may not have taken me as long as it has to get to where I understand myself a little bit better. So for other people, I say, think about it. When you start getting into those, um, when you start having those triggers, when you start having those red flags, what are those red flags and why are they happening? What are the things that are occurring during those time periods? Are you under a lot of stress at work? Um, you know, are you not sleeping well? Um, you know, are you eating something that's, that's creating a problem? I mean, there's so many things. And once you figure those things out, you're, you'll be much happier, uh, much healthier, and you'll, you'll feel so much better for yourself. So, and then of course, you know, there are those people that need medication. There are those people that have major mental illnesses and need medication in order to regulate so that they can function. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, I commend them for doing what they need to do and taking care of themselves. And we need more of those people who are regulating, who are taking medications and are contributing to society to stand up and say that this is okay too. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. When you are taking medications, according to you, how your doctor prescribed them, there is nothing wrong with that. Yep. We want to help people. And and can I just add into that? Um, there is absolutely... Firstly, this, wherever you're listening to this, whatever part in the world, this applies to everybody. There is nothing wrong with taking medication. There are people that I could, off the top of my head, you won't know this um, sportsman in the UK. He plays uh, cricket and he's called Freddie Flintoff. Google him, Freddie Flintoff. He's been t- taking antidepressants for pretty much 10 years to just to function properly and he speaks openly on how they've helped him just function a normal life there is absolutely nothing wrong with seeing a professional and saying i've got a problem one thing well go ahead sorry go on on. (laughs) i was gonna say and i commend him for doing that because there are people that follow him and see him as a role model and when he does that it allows them to feel like if they need to do that, that there there's nothing wrong with it. So I, I'm very glad that you mentioned that. Thank you. Yes, and, 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 and anybody that is suffering from mental health or stress, what you have to remember is once you start suffering from mental health, you naturally become a lot more aware of things. So you start thinking, oh, well, I never used to suffer from this or ne- this never used to happen. You've always stress will always be there and it's always going to be there in life as you get older always life changes things change stress will always be there so first you have to learn to accept that so that's the first thing and the second thing is be very careful of what you put inside your body this is very important 
stop putting crap inside yourselves and then going to sleep and waking up feeling like shit and then thinking why am i feeling like this you need to be very careful there's a lot of things in foods these days that are affecting you long term maybe not straight away long term coloring sugars so many e numbers in foods the days of eating organic have gone you know to eat healthy it costs more you it's cheaper to eat shit which is just bamboozles me every time i think of that any time a piece of if you fruit veg meat hits your plate it's probably 2 3 weeks old it's been sprayed with god knows what and be careful regarding junk food as well alcohol drugs that is a very very dangerous mix look after what you're putting inside you and stop looking for a quick fix there is no quick fixes out there if anybody if you put into google and you see something saying i can stop your mental health problems overnight and take this and you'll be fine it's bollocks this cannot happen this is something that takes baby steps it might take one step forward two steps back but you have to keep moving forward step by step by step by step and eventually you will come out of this you will come out of this and in the world there are probably more people who have come out of mental health issues in a positive way but because the media kind of highlight a lot of the negatives you naturally assume that it's a lot more doom and gloom when it isn't if you go and speak to people in your community people you know everybody will share a story of yeah i had xy problem but i managed to come out of it so i think them three things are very important and just lastly from my point of view is try to surround yourself with good people and um, if you can't find good people that's a lie because with the use of the internet you can't find good people <laughs> however that is you know there are great groups on facebook there's um um community forums out there there's there's as message boards out there that share there's reddit you can join communities on reddit as well so you know don't focus too much on negatives keep yourself positive and everything will be fine honestly the more people i speak to and uh, who are lost and it just it upsets me because i don't want people to feel lost because there's so much good help out there and so is there anything from you any final words I've really enjoyed this conversation. I don't typically get to get as deep as we have. So we have gone I, very I've, deep here. <laughs> yes, we have. And I really appreciate it because I, I, I couldn't agree more with what you've said. I think that it's amazing. And I'm so glad that you have listeners who have you to listen to. So, you know, you said everything right. I mean, they have to take care of themselves. They have to know that they're not alone. There are people who have experienced very similar things, not the exact things. Of course, we're all different, but experience very similar things and who are out there and want to help and want to offer hope and want to offer support and it's so important you know just getting a nice text you know that just having someone check in on you occasionally on facebook things like that that is that means so much find those people they're out there we want to help you and thank you for having me i've been i've really enjoyed this a lot where where can people connect with you So I'm on all the social media channels and they call me the Southern Fried Asian. Wow. So, <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I was Southern raised and I have a crispy Asian coating. Um, but you can get me on Instagram on South, at Southern Fried Asian. I'm on Twitter. Southern is has no vowels, but it's Southern Fried Asian. I'll put Asian. the links in the, in the description below. Um, and I have a website and it's suzyreese.org. And, and f- from me, like I said, guys, remember... everything's going to be fine thank you